Amen. You can be seated. Uh, well, good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, my name is Grant, one of the pastors here. Thankful to be here with you guys this morning. Thankful to bring God's word to y'all. Uh, we've been going through our message series that you can see up on the screen behind me called The Journey. Pastor Luke has led us through the first three weeks of that. Uh, we'll be jumping into week number four uh, this morning. What we wanted to do during this series, what our goal is that we simply want to offer guidance from the Word of God for the people of God as they pursue God. Offer guidance from the Word of God for the people of God as they pursue God. Now, like with any journey, it's not always smooth sailing. Uh, there's often some bumps in the road. There's often some ups and downs, some things that uh, go the way we expected them to and things that don't go the way we expected them to. Oftentimes, you'll be on your way on a journey and have to run into a detour. And you'll have to change course. Uh, there's going to be some photos uh, up on the screen of some paths to avoid. I think this one's somewhere in Eastern Asia. If you ever want to go uh, rock climbing and use this trail, you are more than welcome to. If you're afraid of heights, steer clear. Uh, the next one is more of like a haunted trail. Uh, probably don't advise you going on that one. This next one, really stay away from the Sonic Ditch. <laughs> this is located in uh, Highway 5 over there on Benton, uh, right off the Alcoa exit. It's ridiculous the number of cars that fall off into this ditch, okay? They have like its own Facebook page. They have shirts you can buy that say Sonic Ditch on there. Stay away from it. Do not be another victim. And the worst path you can be on is right up there. I-30, man. Um, stay away from those. Uh, last week we talked about the importance of prayer. Today we're going to be talking about how do I maintain faith during tragedy? When tragedy happens, how do I remain faithful? So here's the truth. Our time here on earth, our walk with Christ, it's not all roses. It's not all smooth. There's going to be some difficult times. There's going to be some hard times. I can guarantee you of that. We are not free of any of these things because of our relationship with Christ. But because of our relationship with Christ, we can know how to face them, how to go through them, how to get through them, where to turn to. Tragedy, uh, it's common for people who go through tragedy to experience some sort of loss. It's not always just loss of life, although that is a big one, but some type of loss. Uh, and it hurts us, it affects us emotionally, mentally, sometimes physically, sometimes spiritually. It can shake us. Personal tragedy, a tragedy in the community. Maybe it's something where you have a loved one that received a cancer diagnosis. Where you have a child that gets sick. Where you lose your job that you've been working at for 20 years. And that retirement plan that you've had set up just seems like it's gone like that. Not knowing what to do. When tragedy strikes, what is our response? Just this past week, Hurricane Ian hit Florida. Devastated communities. There's even loss of life. What is our response when tragedy happens? Now, it's, it's important for me to mention to say that God does not, does not cause tragedy. He is sovereign. He is over all things. And we need to understand that our world is broken. Our world is imperfect. And it all goes back and originates to man's sin. Because of man's sin, because of man's fall, our world is not the way it is supposed to be. It's not the way God intended it to be. And because of that, things on our earth are not the way they're supposed to be, are not the way God intended them to be. What we're seeing are the consequences of sin. 
the consequences of sin. Sin is a problem and it's an evil thing that's taking place. John Piper writes that until we feel the depth and the horror of sin for what it is, much of the Bible will simply not make sense to us at all. Until we realize the depth and the horror of sin. But we can trust our God. We can have confidence in our God that He is good, that He is faithful, that He is with us during those times. And so our response to this can cause us to ask questions. Your response to tragedy can bring about a wondering, God, why is this going on? Why is this taking place? What is the purpose for this? What is the reasoning behind this? Why, why, why? It can build up anger. It can build up a lot of emotions for us when we try to figure out why is this taking place. But church, we have to fight that. We have to fight those emotions, fight that anger, and remain faithful to our God. And so in all things, like what we talked about earlier, we want to simply look at the Word of God. And so I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 37. If you're watching online, I invite you to use whatever tablet or, or Bible you have in front of you to turn with us as well. It's going to be up on the screen, but Genesis chapter 37. We're going to be reading about the story of Joseph. Um, now Jacob uh, was one of the sons of Isaac, and he's on the scene here. And so Jacob has, a, uh, he's going to have a lot of sons, but we're uh, learning about his 11th son, Joseph, here. So Joseph's story is uh, a long story. We don't have enough time to cover it all this morning. But like my uh, three-year-old son shares the alphabet, you only get certain bits and pieces of the letters. You don't get the whole thing. That's kind of what we're doing here this morning. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. It's going to be up on the screen. I invite you to follow along as well, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. If any of you remember, Todd wore this robe a few weeks back. Uh, verse 4, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So Joseph is dearly loved by his father, and it's no secret to his brothers. Joseph also begins having these dreams of him rising to power and his brothers bowing down to him. And so just like any good sibling, you're not going to like that. You're not going to be happy with that. You never want your sibling to have the upper hand. So his other brothers, his other ten brothers, don't like this. So one day the brothers go out to the fields to tend to the flocks, and Joseph comes out to look for them. Meanwhile, they're coming up with a plan to get rid of Joseph. Chapter 37, verse 23. So when Joseph arrives, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into a cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. It was kind of like a well, but not really, but this space where they would keep and contain water. So they put him in the cistern, and while they're sitting there, and he's, uh, while Joseph is in the cistern, the brothers are sitting there scheming about getting rid of him, some Ishmaelite traders come on the scene. Verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother? They said, We'd have to cover up the crime. So thoughtful of them to think of another way to get rid of him. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And the rest of the brothers agreed. So they make up this story to their father. And they say, Father, there was a wild animal that got a hold of Joseph. They pour uh, animal's blood onto the robe and hand it to him. And so we see in Genesis chapter 37, the father Jacob, upon hearing 
of Joseph's death. This is his response. It says, he, Jacob, mourned deeply for his son for a long time. It says his family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning my son. He would say, and then he would weep. So we see Jacob, in this part of his journey, is mourning his son. They're hearing the loss of his son. Meanwhile, in Joseph's journey, he's been sold to these traders. He's now a slave, and he comes on the scene and is actually bought and purchased by this man named Potiphar. All the while, we see a couple of times in Genesis 39 that we're told the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And so Joseph rises to power in the house of Potiphar. Now Potiphar is an Egyptian officer. He was captain of the guard for the Pharaoh. He's a man of power. And so he entrusts Joseph, this slave, to have authority and power in his home. And he is put in charge of everything except for Potiphar's wife. Insert Potiphar's wife to the story. In Genesis 39, verses 7 through 9. So Potiphar's wife, uh, Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me. She demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? And if we would all have this response to any time we are tempted with sin, he says, it would be a great sin against God. Don't do it. Don't touch it. Stay away from it. If it's a sin against God, do not partake in it. It's Joseph's example. Potiphar's wife continues pursuing Joseph. One day she grabs his cloak and running away from the temptation of sin, running away, Joseph flees and leaves his cloak uh, to avoid it. So she calls for her servants and accuses Joseph of coming after her. So Joseph, because of this, because of this false accusation, when he did nothing wrong, he's thrown into prison. Later on in chapter 39, uh, we learn that Joseph actually becomes a favorite in the uh, prison. The warden in the prison uh, entrusts Joseph with his power. Again, we're reminded the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was, was with him. The Lord was with him. And so the warden puts Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners, lets Joseph take care of everything. And while in the prison, he befriends two individuals and asks, hey, when you get out, when you go to the Pharaoh, remember me. Just simply mention my name so I too can be released. Later on in the story of Joseph, we find out they never mentioned his name. That by befriending him, by doing things for them, they get out and they forget him. They do not mention his name. There's going to be a photo up on the screen. Uh, this is, uh, looks like a roller coaster. This is actually like an, a story, an example of Joseph's life. You see on there, first we have favorite son. He's betrayed, put into slave, uh, slavery. Potiphar's household manager. Then we go back down, wrongly accused in imprisonment. Becomes prison manager and again forgotten about, continued to be in prison. And then later on in the story of Joseph, when the Pharaoh needs someone to interpret his dreams, he calls upon Joseph. And Joseph later rises up to power. But Joseph faced and met tragic events often. His brothers betrayed him, threw him out. We see once he becomes a leader in Potiphar's home, Potiphar's wife accuses him falsely. And then even in the prison where he gains respect and authority. He is forgotten about. Yet in Genesis chapter 41, 51, uh, verses 51 and 52, we learn later that Joseph had two sons, 
and he names his first son, his older son, Manasseh, verse 51, which translates to causing to forget. He said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Oh, how when you grieve and when you go through something tragic, you long to forget. You long to not have to hold on to those memories. He said, God has made me forget all my troubles. Verse 52, Joseph named his second son Ephraim, which translated means fruitful. For he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. The whole time he's grieving. He's remembering how he's been wronged. He's remembering how these events have affected him, how they've made an impact on his life. But he remembers God and thanks God for being fruitful in the time of his grief. He has everything taken away from him, everything removed from him, but yet he remembers the Lord. He remembers what God has done for what God has done for him. He remembers God's goodness. If we look at Jacob's journey, the father of Joseph, he goes through the grief and mourning of his son. And later on in Genesis chapter 48, verse 15, after two decades, nearly two decades of thinking his son was dead, his son was killed, he finds out that he's alive and gets to meet him. And at the end of, ja uh, of Jacob's life, he says, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day. He remembers God. He said, he has been the good shepherd all my life to this very day. He has always been good to me. And so we can look back on their lives and see these tragic events that took place. And they remained faithful to God through their journey. And so when we face tragedy, when we go through difficult times, what's our response? What should we do? And I believe there's three things we can do in our journey to help us remain faithful in tragedy. Number one, it's going to be up on the screen, says look up. Look up. Right below that it says turn to God. Prayer, read the Bible. We can look up. When tragedy hits, we can find ourselves looking for answers, looking for explanations, trying to figure out why God, how did this happen? Before you turn to anything else, turn to God, to look up. Last week we talked about prayer. We talked about that there's power in prayer. Pastor Luke said last week that prayer is about being with God, being with Him in such a way that what you ask is ultimately His sovereign will over your life. You're asking for God's sovereign will over your life. There's power, church. Church, there's power when we bring things before God, even when we're hurting, when we don't know the answers. There's power when we bring things before God. And in doing so, I invite you just to simply share your emotions with God. Turn to Him. Pour out your heart with Him. Uh, the Psalms, uh, you can find over 30 different feelings, emotions throughout it. And we too can, can learn from that and use our responses to God by, by sharing our emotions with Him. You can pray the Psalms when you don't know what to pray. Use them as an example. Psalms 116 verses 1 through 4, we, we read this earlier. It says, I love the Lord. Because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen. Did you hear that? He bends down to listen. He says, I will pray as long as I have breath. Verse 3, death wrapped its ropes around me. In the Old Testament, death is viewed as this thing that's aggressive. It gets its claws and it sinks in and does not let go. It latches on. It says, death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. 
Please, Lord, save me. When troubles come about, where do we turn to but to our God who is faithful, who is righteous, who is just? How merciful he is. He bends down to listen. He hears your voice. He hears your cries. And so what does this look like when we look up? What does this look like when we go through tragedy to look up? It means when you have questions, when anger is building, when you are grieving, give it to God. Pray to God. Hand it over to God. Turn to His Word. Turn to His truth. Turn to the Father. Share your heart with Him because He bends down to listen. He bends down to listen. First, I think we need to look up. Second, we need to look back. We need to remember God's faithfulness. Remember His character. Remember His goodness in the past. When tragedy arises, I think we need to trust the character of the Father and not the situation. I'll say it again. Trust the character of our God and not the situation. Remember what Joseph said in naming his second son? He said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. He remembered what God had done. Remember what Jacob said nearing the end of his life. The God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day. They remembered God in the middle of their grief, in their tragedy, in the unfortunate events. They remembered God and thanked Him and praised Him. Think of what God has done for us. Psalms 116 verse 5 says, How kind the Lord is, how good He is. So merciful, this God of ours. Continuing in Psalms 116, verse 12, it says, What can I offer the Lord for all He has done for me? In the middle of our tragedy and our grief, how many times do we ask that question? Instead of turning to God asking why, what if we said, What can I offer the Lord for all He has done for me? That's tough. That we can look back and be reminded of what our God has done for us. Look back and think of who you were before you knew Christ. The, the problems you had, the anxieties you had, the depression you had, the issues you had, the struggle you had to find happiness, to find joy. Some of you are trying to fill a void that only Christ can fill. You're trying to find this thing to, to, help, you, uh, to help you out, to make you feel happy. You're trying that thing. You're trying this TikTok challenge or that thing just to try to feel joyful and happy. But you're not turning to Christ. And in Him is true joy. It's true peace. Since following Him, how many times has He provided for you? How many times can you look back and say, God's hand was on my life? Remember those times. Remember His faithfulness. We talked about spiritual warfare last week. The enemy would love nothing more than for you to think, where is God? Why isn't he here? Why isn't he being good to me? He wants you to forget. Remember those times. Write them down. Pin them down. Put them to memory. Cling, church, cling to those memories to battle those thoughts. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. In the middle of our grief, in the middle of our problems, it's difficult to think of those things. Look back. Trust his character. In Psalms 116, God is described with these words. He's merciful. He's protector. He's savior. He has been good to me. He kept my tears away. He steadied my feet. He cares deeply when his loved ones die. And he offers freedom from change. Church, that is our God. That is him. And he is good. 
Look back at God's faithfulness. Look back at God's faithfulness, and you'll see it is everywhere. It's there. Just simply look. It is there. And so what does this look like? Remember the sinner you were. Remember God's love for you. Remember, remember the blessings and faithfulness over the years. Our God is good. In the middle of tragedy, we need to look up. Turn to God. We need to look back to trust his character. Be reminded of who he is. We also need to look forward to the hope we have in Jesus and in Jesus alone. The hope and victory that we have. The follower of Christ, the child of God, can look forward to the hope he or she has in Christ. Romans 8, verse 18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing, is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Billy Graham said, For the believer there is hope beyond the grave, because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. And that's something that we have in following Christ, that we have that joy, that we have that hope. Our true joy, church, is when we are with Christ. That what we see before us, what we go about in our day-to-day, that's not it. This isn't it. This is not our home. What this world has to offer fails. Teenager, it fails. Senior adult, it fails. And falls short. This world doesn't do it. Because of sin and its effects, our journey here isn't easy. But I can promise you this, that there's a God out there who loves you. There's a God out there who is for you. And so some of you guys are trying to find happiness in so many things. Simply turn to Jesus. That you can admit that you have sinned. That you can believe in Jesus and confess that he is your Lord. That you can know Jesus. Have a relationship with him today if you don't already have that. And we invite you to do that this morning. To know Jesus. To know Jesus. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, when I was looking at this verse, this is a verse I had to read several times over. Because um, this one can be tough. In the middle of tragedy, in the middle of grief, it says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good. And oftentimes, it's hard to see good in tragedy. It's hard to see that. But let's break this down. This isn't saying everything that happens is good. It's not saying that. This isn't saying that good things will always happen. I can promise you, good things will not always happen. It is saying that in this sin-ridden world, in this fallen world, that God is still at work. That God is still at work for the good of who? It says for those who love God and are called. Those who have made the decision to make Jesus number one in their life. Not number two, not number three, not number seven, not number eight, but number one. That he is working for the good of those who he loves and has called. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, towards the end of Joseph's story, after all he had been through, he comes and has this conversation with his brothers. And he tells his brothers, you intended harm to me, but God intended it for good. He said, God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position. 
so I could save the lives of many people. God intended it all for good. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 is going to say, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours, church. Overwhelming victory, larger than any Alabama score can put on Arkansas. It's larger than any victory. It's an overwhelming victory, and it is ours, the follower of Christ. It's ours through Christ who loved us, who loved us. And so for us to look forward, what does that look like? Hold tight to our true joy, to our true hope that we have in Christ and in Christ alone. Remember what he has done for you, that this world has nothing to offer you. Whatever it may throw at us, we can have purpose in this world to point others to Jesus, to help people find and follow Jesus as we do the same. For the believer in Jesus, we need not fear death. George Herbert said in the early 1600s, death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. We need not fear death, for our hope is in Christ. In the middle of tragedy, we can turn to God. We can look up, we can look back, and we can look forward. There's some stories uh, from people uh, sitting right here among you at HC. And um, this is just a small, small sample of the tragedy people here have been through. And I know people are still going through stuff. Uh, but I hope you're encouraged by these stories. I hope you know that maybe if you're going through something like this, you can go and talk to them. You can reach out to any of your pastors this week, and we'd love to connect you or, or help you in your tragedy that you may be going through right now. When our journey looks grim, turn to God. Uh, Joel and Lauren Futrell um, lost their first son, Turner, at 37 weeks old, at 37 weeks in their pregnancy. Right, it's important to know that faith tells us that death and other products of our evil world are temporary and nothing compared to the perfect eternity that God promises. They said, God is in control and I am in charge. Meaning that God has this situation in his hands, but it's my choice to have faith in him. He said, Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for their story, for their faith. Jay Hansen, uh, he's sitting out there, he's teaching a class right now. Um, he said, after working for a company for 15 years in 2005, I was told they were shutting their doors and I would be out of a job by the end of the year. He said, I had a wife, three daughters, and no way to support them. My world was turned upside down in a matter of minutes. He writes, Romans 8:28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called to his purpose. Jay writes, I just couldn't figure out how losing my job and not being able to support my family was going to work for my good. Now looking back, I see exactly why God did what he did. 
it just took me a while to understand that our good is not worldly comfort or success. It's about us continuing to build the kingdom in all things. Justin Bridges writes, he said, in my darkest days of alcoholism, God never stopped fighting for my heart. He said, I lost everything. I didn't even know it at times, but the Holy Spirit was interceding in ways I didn't understand. I learned from Romans 8.39 that nothing separates us from the love of God. I am thankful for the journey because God revealed his love, his character, and his grace that propels me today. Thank you, Justin. Emily Warford. She writes, after my husband of 46 years passed away, I remember getting on my knees and praying for courage because I could not do this without God. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I started asking the Lord to hear his voice and said, I want you, Lord, to guide me. She writes, I started searching for God to show up. She says, me pursuing him, seeking him, searching for his voice. He gave me the courage to go through it. He was there with me. I felt his presence. The word of God is alive. We've got to keep seeking and keep listening. Josh and Crystal Turner. Josh is one of your pastors. Um, their daughter, Riley Faith, passed away at the age of two months old. Her and Josh had the same birthday, which is coming up. Josh said, what is tragedy in the world's lenses is opportunity in God's lenses. I'll read that again. What is tragedy in the world's lenses is opportunity in God's lenses. When you view tragedy as opportunity in Christ, it opens up a whole new world. Ask, what does he have for me in this? Who in my life can I pour into? Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not worry. Do not be anxious. That when we go back and think about what God has done for us, we realize how good he is. Church, in all of these stories, tragedy can look different. Tragedy may look different for you, but we can realize our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. Church, our God is good and faithful. And we can turn to him. We can look up. We can look back. We can look forward, trusting our God. And that any direction you look, you can find it. Regardless of what situation you're going through, God is there. God is there. Um, we want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. Uh, the band's going to go ahead and start making their way up. But we're going to give you the opportunity this morning just to respond. Uh, during their uh, song, we invite you to sing, praise, uh, sing out to God for his faithfulness just from right where you are. Just to sing out to God. Thankful for his goodness for his faithfulness. And if you need to, if you're going through something, if you need to speak or pray to a pastor, there's going to be a few pastors down front that would love to talk to you and pray with you this morning if you need to do that as well. We invite you just to simply respond.
Church, may we be thankful. This is not our home. That Christ said that he goes to prepare a place for us, for those that follow him, for those that love him. May we look up, may we look back, and may we look forward. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity we have just to come before you, to worship you, to open up your word. God, I pray that your word would speak. There are people here this morning that have been affected by some hard, difficult things. Some tragic things, God. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would be near to them, that you would bend down to listen, God. That your character would speak, that they would look back and be reminded of how faithful you have been, how good you have been to them, God. And that we would be reminded of the hope we have in you, of the promises you've given us as we look ahead to what's to come, Father. I pray for those going through tragedy right now, God, that you be near to them, God. May your name be worshipped. May you receive all the honor and glory and praise that's due to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.